Thanks for downloading this episode of the Shoestring Tackle Podcast. Subscribe today to find our show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, and always at shoestringtackle.com. Now, on to the show. Every time we get ready to play, I just want to throw up. Uh, my office is at 250 North Washington. Anytime you want to meet me there, you call me back on the air, you tell me what time and when, and I will whip your ass. You just witnessed something I don't know that I've ever seen in my entire life. They just called that team the winner. And then, whoa, 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 Come on back here. Then they called us the winner. I'm going to tell you right now, as an experience, damn it, I'm going to enjoy that one as much as I hate to admit it. Illegal contact. Senkutsu elbow thrust. Oimowatsu roundhouse lunge kick to the quarterback. Takatami answer block to the... Shit, never mind. 15 yards. First down. The question isn't what are we going to do, the question is what aren't we going to do. In a Merry Christmas to all of our listeners here on the Shoestring Tackle Podcast, alongside Bleacher Report feature columnist Brandon Meller. I'm Ryan Pensy, wishing you a, a very happy holidays, and hey, it wouldn't be the, uh, the Shoestring Tackle Podcast if we didn't bring you something to listen to, whether it's headed out on your way maybe to look at some Christmas lights tonight or uh, after all the presents have been opened up on Thursday and you just need a little bit of break from all of the insanity. We are here to talk with you about some of the biggest issues, especially surrounding Florida State football this week. And really, Brandon, a couple of big stories came out. Number one, Jameis Winston cleared uh, by this FSU judicial panel uh, that was led by a former retired uh, Florida Supreme Court justice, as well as Jimbo Fisher getting a contract extension. And uh, really want to dive into those two things. And, and first and foremost, Jameis. And this kind of puts, at least in the interim, it, it puts this whole situation to rest. And now Jameis and FSU and Jimbo and, and everybody can focus on the task at hand. And that is a week from tomorrow going out and trying to knock off a, a very difficult Oregon team in the Rose Bowl. And this was one of those things that just kind of kept hanging out there all season long, much like it did last year. Uh, but again, it didn't seem like it had that much of an effect on Jameis on the football field, maybe outside of that final game at Bill Campbell Stadium against Florida. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. And I mean, you know, this is this is one of those things where I don't want to say it's it's not a shock the way the th- way this whole played out and, and, and where, you know, he made it you know through this ju- you know, ju- judicial committee, you know, here this hearing and, and his, his status is unchanged. I, I think, you know. We've been following the case. Everything that's been going on with, with this whole situation over the past you know year and, and gosh, a year and about a month and a half now, two months now. Uh, it, you know, it's not it's not surprising way it played out because again, the, the kind of the facts and the evidence of the case and everything that that lined up with what uh, you know what law enforcement and, and why there was no charges ever brought against James Winston kind of matched up with what transpired on campus in in the past week. So it's not a surprise the way it played out, but it is one of those things where you know you could have seen it going the other way. You could have seen this been a situation where you know, James Winston's status, uh, you know, for the Florida State football team could, would have been, you know, in, in immediate jeopardy, and it's not. And so that's obviously a great thing for Florida State as a, as a you know, as a football program, as a team that's trying to beat Oregon in, in a matter of days, trying to trying to get back to the national championship game, trying to play either Alabama or Ohio State, and, and you need James Winston to do so. So that's a great thing. And the, the real unfortunate thing for James Winston in this situation, and, you know, we won't even comment on, on everybody else who's involved in this, but for James specifically, you know, over the past year and, and, and month or so, you know, this, you know, we, we know is what has transpired. And he's, you know, in the end, he's he's come out okay in all of this, except for the fact that the damage from a reputation standpoint is is irreversible. I mean, there's 
there is forever going to be people who think that this was rigged. There are going to be forever people that think that you know Florida State was covering up for him and all this different stuff. No matter how many experts come in, no matter how many people, you know, impartial parties have a have a say so in the way this whole thing transpired, the damage is done. I mean, people's mind are made up on who he is as a, as a as a man and as a football prospect, and you know that directly comes into play with the fact that which we think he's going to declare for the draft at some point in the near future, will continue to be the number one talking point for whether or not you draft him or Marcus Mariota first in the NFL draft and, and how much, if any, he slides in the draft. So, you know, there, there's there's real money at stake here for James Wilson as a professional. And I know that in the long run that means nothing when, when you're talking about, you know, a, a man's livelihood and, and you know, a, a potential victim in, in this certain situation. But it's, it's just, it's really unfortunate this thing is still going on. You hope that there's some maybe a little bit of finality to this and that it's kind of put, you know, put to rest and then you can move on from it. But it's, it just kind of feels like one of those things that's going to be forever hanging around. It's going to be forever brought up. There's going to be new stories here and there. We, you know, if anybody read the New York times story that just came out, it's just, it's going to keep being brought up. There's going to be arguments about what's true and what's not. And you're just, you're never going to get a final, you know, kind of here it is. We're stapling this thing shut and we're moving on. I don't think that's ever going to be the case for Jimmy. Winston. Yeah, you know, you make a, a very good point about his livelihood and, and the potential in the future. And, and hey, bottom line is this. There were two people there that night that know what happened. They're the only two people. We don't need to get into any of that. The, you know, Jameis has been cleared, though, now by the Tallahassee Police Department, the state attorney's office, and now a retired chief justice of the Florida Supreme Court. Let's put all of that aside. Brandon, when we've looked and seen other professional athletes, and I agree with you, I think Jameis, he is playing in his last few, hopefully, football games at Florida State. And I say hopefully in terms of few is hopefully FSU beats Oregon and plays for the national championship game. But whenever this season ends, I believe this is it. It's over. It's it's absolutely done. He is going to the NFL draft. Now that this is behind him, we are seeing that some now are bringing him right to the top. You know, the cream is starting to rise. And when you have teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the the Tennessee Titans, teams that need a quarterback, Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston are going to be going back and forth throughout this process until one of these two guys is drafted number one. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if the other one isn't drafted right behind him. We haven't really seen that kind of like really heated kind of dilemma, maybe going back as far as Ryan Leaf and, and, and Peyton Manning. And that was a long time ago, and one panned out and one didn't. But I, I guess my question, though, to you, Brandon, is we have seen other pro athletes guys like Michael Vick, guys like Ray Lewis, who have been in trouble with the law at varying degrees. Michael Vick never really came back from where he was previous to the dogfighting. Ray Lewis absolutely did and has prospered and has had a great career. Is time the only thing, as well as kind of keeping clean from here on out, is that the only thing that is going to give Jameis the opportunity to go out there and have big-time sponsorship endorsements and have a, a lucrative NFL career outside of the field? Yeah, I think so. I, I, because you kind, of, you kind of can already see it. I know there's this national perception of him as being this bad dude, and, and you know, obviously, you know, justifiably, he's a knucklehead in some situations. But Jameis Winston's been pretty quiet uh, for, the, for quite a while now. And, and I, that is a direct correlation with the fact that you don't really – hear as much about you know him other than what you know than what's being brought up in the news because it's it's newsworthy events he's not making the news himself anymore the way he was for a while there was some of these different situations and you know he needs to keep doing that you keep doing that through the rest of this month into january february march april and you're talking about getting into the into the draft at that point 
and there's been no mention of Jameis Winston as 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 being in the negative, you know, in in a negative story. Oh, you know, for five or six months. Absolutely, that's going to play you know such a big factor because again, this is going to break down to the fact if he's if he is behaving himself and is not in the news, it's going to ultimately go back to the fact that the guy is an insanely talented quarterback. He can read defenses. He he can make all the throws. He is NFL ready. He is. I mean, think about this. If if none of this stuff had transpired with him off the NFL off the field, you're talking about him being the undoubted, no question about it number one pick in this draft and and people saying man this is like maybe the first you know kind of real true sure thing since Pey- since the Peyton Manning or you know maybe even more recently like Andrew Luck who people knew he was going to be good you know if, if those things aren't happening yeah, I mean this guy is is no question about it above Marcus Mariota because I think and yes I'm biased I you know uh, obviously around Florida State around Jameis Winston if, if, I'm a Bucks fan I, I don't want them to get Marcus Mariota I think Jameis Winston is a better player so if he's behaving himself and, and it's moved on from some of these, you know, maybe these, you know, childish knucklehead things off the field with some of these other situations. You know, it, it just, I, I don't think you're going to see too many NFL teams, especially with the fact that the Bucks and Titans, two quarterback needy teams at the top of this draft. I can't see either one of those teams ultimately passing on both of, you know, one or two of these quarterbacks. He's going to go top two. Now it's just a question of whether or not he's the number one pick in this draft. Also, some news coming out today. Before we get on to Jimbo, this is uh, just kind of coming across the wire this afternoon, and it's in regards to ESPN doing a, a pretty hefty uh, public records request through not only FSU, but the Tallahassee Police Department. And one of the names that came out is that of Dalvin Cook, the star running back for Florida State. And this is a quote that came out of the release today by the Tallahassee Police Department. While several of the reports requested involve open and active cases, one of note involves an aggravated assault by two men who are alleged to have brandished a firearm at a neighbor on July 17, 2014. Dalvin Cook, a current FSU football player, is listed as an associate in the case. The case is under investigation and once completed will be provided as an update to this release. Brandon, this one to me is probably as big of a deal, maybe more so than anything right now, in that if for any reason, and I don't think that it will in the next week or so, if Dalvin Cook's status is changed where he is not able to participate in the Rose Bowl, I have significant concerns about FSU's offense. This guy has yeah. been a stud running back, you know, and, and I think that term is probably used a little bit too often, but this guy has been carrying the workload. And if you have to now turn it back over to Carlos Williams and Mario Pender, I think that the Vegas odds makers will very quickly go back in, in even heavier favor than Oregon. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's you, you need him to play. I, I don't. It doesn't seem like this is going to be something that comes out of or much out of it. Uh, again, it's it's one of those situations where you know you a lot of people. You know, I, I, we won't get into it, but it, it ideally nothing you know plays out with with what's going on you know with this situation. Something back from in July. Uh, and so obviously it's been something that's been been looked at, and and again, you know, it, this would have never come out had had ESPN not put in that public records request. I know that's you know the media just doing their job and, and investigating what's going on. Of course, it kind of comes across as a little bit of a witch hunt because they're just looking for any possible dirt. Because when you know when somebody's when somebody's kind of down, so to speak, as far as a public relations standpoint, you're going to keep throwing dirt on them and kicking them. So uh, I I I understand it from a media standpoint why you keep trying to dig this stuff up. So. Uh, but you're right. I mean, you, you know, Dalvin Cook. You know, you need that guy if you want to. If you want to beat Oregon, if you want to uh, get to national championship potential, win national championship, you need him. He, he's he's your best running back, and he is maybe one of the best running backs uh, you've had in a long time. So uh, you need that guy. You need you need number four doing his thing in the backfield. 
Jimbo Fisher agreed to uh, this Tuesday to a new eight-year contract through 2022. Uh, a lot of the details of this contract are still yet to be released, uh, but ESPN.com's Chris Lowe reporting that the deal is worth on average $5.5 million per season, which is, if that's the case, at least as it stands right now today, Jimbo would move to number three behind only Alabama's Nick Saban and Michigan State's Mark D'Antonio in terms of the highest compensated coaches in the country. It, where it stood currently is Jimbo was, was 14th, $3.5 million a year. That's no chump change. But you look at some of the guys that were ahead of him, Chris Peterson, Gary Patterson, Kirk Ferentz, James Franklin, Charlie Strong, Kevin Sumlin. you got a, guy, a bunch of guys in here that have never won a national championship, let alone ever even sniffed one. You know, and here's Fisher on the doorstep of winning number two. And as we talked about on our show last week, it was time to pay the man. And uh, you got to give credit to the administration at FSU from the top down for being able to get this deal done and get him locked up and signed before all of the craziness of maybe some NFL talk starts up or any other college jobs. And not that there are any right now that would be that enticing to him. But at least you get this thing done and you show your appreciation back to Jimbo for what he's meant to the program. Yeah, heck yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing. You can't win. You can't win this many games in a row. You can't win a national championship and be on the cusp of a second one in as many seasons. You can't, you know, bring this program from the depths of mediocrity to the absolute top of the college football mountain without being, without being, you know, rewarded for it. And in, and in this game and the way college football, you know, is set up and, and, and the money maker that it is, the head coaches, the elite upper echelon coaches that are delivering wins and putting fans in the seats and getting, you know, merchandise sold and 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 keeping the, you know, keeping the the program at the forefront of. of uh, you know, being, you know, one of the top teams in the, in the nation, you know, these coaches are going to get buku dollars. And, Jim, you know, Jimbo Fisher is worth every penny. The way he has been able to manage not only just the success, but to, to really kind of keep this team together despite some of these off-field off you know, situations that you know, even he, is, is, you know, kind of being the, you know, in, in charge of everything, you know, had no control over. So uh, you give him a ton of credit for that. He's done a masterful job uh, dealing with staff turnover. I mean, think about all the assistant coaches he's lost. Uh, to better jobs, you know, guys getting promotions and taking advantage of, of being a successful, you know, kind of coaching tree under Jimbo Fisher. Just all the things he's been able to do, all the landmines he's been able to sidestep and have success. He's worth every single penny. And uh, I mean, I mean, you know, you know we, we are both two guys who who saw who saw the worst and then then saw the best at, at Florida State, and and just the stark difference, not only on campus but in the community in the city. Uh, he he is worth every penny of that. And so congratulations to him. I mean, it's it's you like to see people get rewarded for for doing good things, not people getting rewarded when when maybe they're uh, could have done a little more, or maybe you could accuse them of not working quite hard enough. No, nobody works as hard as Jimbo Fisher uh, to keep Florida State uh, on top. Hey, you make a good point though about his staff and the changes that we have seen. And it was just a few short years ago where he had that massive staff turnover. You know, when you lost both coordinators, you lost several significant position coaches, and Jimbo had to retool the offense and the defense. And, uh, you know, I look at this staff now and we really haven't heard any names unless you have of coaches that are currently on this staff that are being uh, viewed by other programs to come in and take over. Last year, it was Jeremy Pruitt after the national championship went to Georgia. It's been pretty quiet, though, this offseason. And, and I, I guess the way I look at this a little bit and, and I want your take is, are these some coaches and slash coordinators who've been around the block now in college football? They have had probably a taste of as good as it's going to get at FSU under Fisher, and they've probably been kicked around a little bit by the business in some other places. You know, we don't need to go through the litany of the names here, but I mean, when you look at a guy like a Tim Brewster, 
he's as good a recruiter as anybody in the country, but we don't see his name being out there for maybe a, a head coaching job or an offensive coordinator job, at least right now. We don't see, you know, Charles Kelly or, or any of these other coaches that are being, you know, pursued or being, or, or trying to be plucked away. Is this finally some balance, you know, for Jimbo Fisher? I think one of the, probably the most valuable guys, Randy Sanders on the staff and what he's been able to do to kind of really bring that calm across the offense and not only through the quarterbacks, but probably more so just through Jimbo. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting question because, you know, you're right. You kind of look across the, you know, the names on this staff and obviously, you know, Rick Trickett's not going anywhere. Uh, you know, Lawrence Dossie's probably not going there anywhere, although he has done a really good job in, 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 in slowly, very slowly, but surely uh, starting to churn out consistent NFL ready, you know, wide receivers after having his first receiver, uh, during his tenure drafted last year when Kevin Benjo was picked, and we know Rashad Green's going to get picked, and, and we see you know the superstar potential on Travis Rudolph and Ermin Lane, and we know they're bringing in some big guys there. So uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I don't, I got like Lawrence Sassi, I don't know though, is, is he a candidate for an, an OC job somewhere? Probably not. You know, Charles Kelly, you know, here's a guy who is is a very good coach, but obviously the numbers don't back up. You know what Jeremy Pruitt did a season ago. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, you don't you don't envision him being a guy that. You know, is is going to leap to another job, and it, and it, it just doesn't seem like his style anyway. He's got a he's got a family. He's he's obviously you know they're entrenched in Tallahassee. But I think you're right. I think the two guys that you yeah, I think you could be worried about. Not that I've heard anything or there's any rumors or anything. It's just with how good they are and how ten, you know and and kind of that overall arching you know experience they bring to the table is Tim Brewster and Randy Sanders. And Tim Brewster is one where you know he you know he didn't have success as a head coach at Minnesota, but he has that track track record of recruiting. You know he. Uh, you know, he's, he's obviously, he obviously knows what he's doing, but then again, maybe he's in that perfect situation where it kind of, you kind of realize that, yeah, this guy probably is at his best when he can focus on two things, recruiting and coaching tight ends and not running an offense, not running a team. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's for Florida state, it's probably kind of nice because yeah, you're having successful coaches and, and, and they're doing their thing and they're getting you in position to eventually win national championship. But they're not being, you know, they're not they're not going to bigger and better jobs elsewhere. And and, and maybe this team, you know, maybe this coaching staff will have some continu- continuing to it. You know, maybe Jim Fisher will finally be able to string together a, a consistent staff more than just a couple seasons in a row. And you know, who knows what kind of impact that could have, you know, in the long haul. But again, it ultimately goes back to even if he did lose some of these guys, you know, he's just gonna, you know he's just going to replace them with people who are just as talented. Uh, who are just as good at recruiters and who buy into the system that he's running. Uh, you don't see these guys butting heads. I mean, you know, you saw firsthand the the issues that plagued this program when Jimbo Fisher came in as OC and wanted to do things a certain way, and there were some egos and there were some different kind of mindsets on this team uh, on the coaching staff that didn't agree with that. Well, everybody who's been on this staff since Jimbo's been taken over as head coach buys in. They understand it works, uh, and they're willing to, to work for him and, and, and put in the long hours to, to make this team successful. We will come back uh, probably early next week for sure, and we'll preview FSU versus Oregon. We'll also talk about uh, Alabama versus Ohio State. Um, very quickly, did you get an opportunity to watch the bowl game the other day uh, down in uh, down in South Florida between Memphis and BYU and the melee that took place afterwards? Oh yeah, absolutely crazy. And I mean, it's it's unfortunate that happened, but is it not hilarious that it's of all teams, it's BYU that oh is involved in this in this. And you got the guy sucker punching the dude in the side. I mean, if if that was, I feel like the, I, I feel like they didn't get enough national media attention for whatever reason. If that was, you know, if that was Legarrette Blunt punching some dude upside the head, that's on CNN probably. You know what I mean? Uh, I couldn't believe that it didn't get more public. Well, think, I mean, think about got, hey, think about if that had been the bad boys of FSU, 
that had been oh, involved man. in that brawl. Oh, I mean, God. yeah, he the sports world would have come to, would just come to a complete Pro- conclusion. It would just have been over. Pro- program canceled, shutting the football team down. Just it would have been absolute anarchy if it had had that happened uh, to anybody. But to, if it had happened to a Florida State, for instance, absolutely crazy. Did you see the finish today? Uh, down down in the Bahamas Bowl. Did you see what happened down there? No, I missed that. Unfortunately, I got to spend my uh, my Christmas Eve sitting in a car dealership having a water pump uh, yeah. installed. Yes. So, you know, you, you, there are some gives and takes. I Actually, they had a TV there. I was watching part of that game. I don't know that there were 50 people in the stands. No, but definitely not. That game, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Central Michigan was taking a beating in the first half. Did they? What was the final on that one? Yeah, down 49-14, they rally back with an amazing play one second to go, one of those situations where you chuck the ball on the field, catch, and then you're just kind of pitching back, pitching back, pitching back, uh, and they score on the last play. This, I, I mean, you, you look, as soon as this podcast is over, look it up. It's an amazing play. They score on the final thing to rally, to come from behind. Uh, 49-48 with no time left, an extra point would tie it, and they'd complete this miraculous you know, 49-14 comeback. Coach likes to go for two. They don't get it. Oh, fire up chips, oh, boys. Now, hey, final thing, Brandon. Absolutely ridiculous. It, it, it's Christmas time. That means it's great Christmas movie time. And this is a complete cold question for you, but I know you're going to come through with something great. Best Christmas movie to really get you going before the big holiday and all the chaos tomorrow morning. Oh yeah. Okay. So it comes down to it comes down to two movies and two movies alone. And it's Home Alone or National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And for me personally, it, it, this is a very tough decision. I grew up on Home Alone. I've probably watched it a, a million times. Uh, I have a, a, a wife who watched it when you know, she was younger, yes, but she has always been a big fan of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I'm going National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation simply for the fact that now that I'm a dad, a husband, you've got the house, you're taking care of it. I can relate more to Clark W. Griswold and all the issues he faces because I'm not, I'm not the most handy of guys. I can do some stuff around the house, yes, but I'm much more likely to fall off a ladder or to staple my arm uh, to, to, the, to, the, to the roof when I'm putting up Christmas lights. I'm much more likely to not know that I need to flip the floodlights on if I want the Christmas lights to work that evening. I probably would get a, a, a Christmas tree that's too big for the living room. I've done that. So the, the humor factor is there. Yeah, absolutely. You, yeah, we're, we're there. Uh, the humor factor is there, but it, it's more about the relatability to me. Uh, so National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is my absolute number one of all time. I could watch that. In fact, we have been watching it every night. That's that's what you put on the TV. You fall asleep uh, at, at night, and uh, that's one of the saddest parts, uh, you know, about the the Christmas season ending is is because yeah, you can still watch it, but it's just it doesn't quite feel the same if Christmas isn't on the horizon when you watch that. No, you're right, and that's uh, there are two for me as well, and Christmas Vacation is right there. It's like one A, one B. I actually, for the first time this holiday season, got to watch Christmas Vacation last night. And uh, just with all of the chaos that's been going on for the last couple of weeks, got to sit down and watch it and truly appreciated just line by line what Cousin Eddie brings to this movie. Probably even better than the original Vacation. I mean, some of the things that he says are just fantastic. If you get an opportunity, even if it's on Christmas or the day after, just go back and just focus on that. Just what he says. Because it is priceless, the things that, that he brings, and, and even some of the looks that he has on his face. I mean, when he's talking about sending away his, his daughter to get cured from the wild turkey, or that his boy is, is calling for the yak lady, I mean, just fantastic stuff. For me, 1B, it's a, it's a Christmas story. 
This is the 18th straight year that that show has gone on for 24 straight hours on TBS. And for the last 18 years, I don't think I've missed one where I've at least caught it one or two of those going through. I think it's more so maybe not even the movie itself, but just the tradition of that being on every year that I find uh, such a, a joy. Also, the fact that uh, one of the main actors in there, who I believe was Scotty Schwartz, uh, later after that became an adult film star. I don't know how you can parlay going from a kid's Christmas movie to an adult uh, film star, but hey, if, if he could do it, more power to him. Hey, I love it. Great movie. Love it, too. I mean, there's, there's just so many to choose from, uh, and that's that's one of the best parts of this time of year. Absolutely love it. it it's the best time of the year, and... Uh, it's sad that it's almost over. It always it always comes to them too quick. I, we we kind of joke that it gets here all of a sudden and people are putting up Christmas trees around Thanksgiving and all this stuff. Well, it, it's it's sad when it goes away. Uh, but at least, hey, we got some some bowl games, some cultural playoff to look forward to afterwards. No doubt. And we'll be back with you next week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Shoestring Tackle Podcast. You can follow Brandon at Brandon Meller. You can follow me at Ryan Pensy. We'll be back to preview FSU versus Oregon, Ohio State versus Alabama, and I'm sure any other number of things. Maybe by the time that we record our next show, the Michigan Wolverines will have their next head football coach, but maybe not. He's Brandon Meller. I'm Ryan Pincy. Merry Christmas. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. Appreciate the download. <laughs>